16 and then verse 5. And then we're going to go to the book of Genesis chapter 1. From John chapter 3. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Aren't you thankful for that today? But in the same conversation, he also said this to Nicodemus. Verily I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then to the book of Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female. He created them. We've been talking about you must be born again. And our, our purpose of this is to talk about the why behind why do we need to be born again. Not necessarily the how. We did a message or a series on that last year. But man was created in the image of God. Of course, image, as you know, means simply likeness. He carried both the image and the glory of God. From 1 Corinthians 11, it says this. For man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man. Now, we're not talking about headship here today, but in this context, the idea is that man carries the glory of God, and so his head is supposed to be uncovered, because headship represents authority. So we're not talking about headship, but that is exactly what it means when it says that Adam was created in God's image. And he bore the image of God as long as he was in that innocent state. Now man continues to bear some of what of a likeness of God's image. We're, we're created in God's image, I believe that. But there's an aspect of that image that was lost in the garden when Adam sinned. Another aspect of this is that there was a twofold image from the moral, spiritual standpoint, and then there was the physical standpoint as well. Everything that God created, he did it with the power of his word. You can read all throughout Genesis, the six days of creation. Everything that he created, he spoke into existence with the words that, that he spoke, except for one thing, and that was his crowning achievement, and that was man. He did not speak man into existence, although he could have. But that would have made us like the beast and like everything else. But with man, he created it. He fashioned us with his own hands uh, from the earth. Nothing else came from the earth except for Adam. Nothing in creation came directly from the earth except for man. Now, Paul picked up on that thought in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 47 where he says this. The first man, that's Adam is of the earth, earthy, because he was created from the dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are all they that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now, he said that there is a spiritual image, which was God's image, and then there was a physical image, where it was the earth from which man was taken. So there was a spiritual aspect to this, and then there was 
a natural or an earthly or an earthly aspect to this as well. And, and it was sin that allowed Adam to fall away from God. And he became acceptable to corruption and to decay in that day. The process of death started from the very first moment that Adam sinned in the garden. You may not have noticed, but we're all getting older. And along with age comes certain things that we don't really like that much. Our face sags a little bit, and we get wrinkles around the eyes and wrinkles in our foreheads, and we lose hair, turns gray, or turns loose, at least with men. With women, it turns gray as well. You're not as strong as you used to be, and you start to bend over a little bit more. And instead of me being six foot four, which is what I used to be, I'm just shy of that now. I must be shrinking my old age or something. I don't know how that works, but it happens. That is called the decaying of the natural man. And you can eat your vegetables. You can work out four hours a day. You can run marathons every week. And all that would be great. But you know what? You're still going to get old. And at some point, you're still going to die. Now, you can maybe push that date back a little bit or maybe a lot with healthy, a healthy lifestyle and eating. I believe we ought to take care of our bodies. Go to the doctor once a year. Get your physical you know, do whatever, you know, they tell you to do. Listen to everything your doctor tells you, at least most of it. But at the end of the day, you're still going to get old. And you're still going to die. That is because you have a natural man. But there is another aspect of you that is going to live beyond this life. And that is your human spirit. Along with Adam's fall, everything that fell under his authority also became subject to that fall. The earth itself began to work against Adam. Now, in the garden, the earth was very cooperative with Adam. It was easy. There was no sweat. There was no, uh, you know, tilling the ground in haste or with, or with hardness. There was no... You know, he didn't have to worry about rain. There was a mist that went up from the earth and watered it. It was a perfectly watered garden where God placed Adam. Now, outside of the garden was likely a hostile environment, but Adam was supposed to, to enlarge his territory and overtake the earth, and that was God's plan. And as he would overtake the earth, everywhere he walked, there would be dominion and authority, and he would carry his authority with him. Does that sound familiar? Joshua chapter 1. Every place the sole of your foot treads upon is yours. That was what God told Israel as they came into the land of Canaan. That was God's original plan, was to, for man to walk in authority. And we have been given authority through the power of the Holy Ghost. We have power not over tornadoes and et cetera, but we've got power over sin. We've got power over disease. Amen. We've got We've got authority. We've got spiritual authority. But, but the process of death and decay continues in, until this day. When Adam was kicked out of the garden, suddenly there were thorns and thistles that the earth brought forth because the earth was cursed as well as Adam. It was never God's will for things to be like this. Why does God allow sin in the world? First of all, it wasn't God that opened the door. Pretty sure that was us. It wasn't God that did all these bad things. It was man. We are the ones responsible for this. 
the condition of our world. We were given authority. It's like if I rented out an apartment and it becomes a mess, blaming my landlord. Well, he owns the house. Why don't he come in and do something? He owns the house, but you're, you're tending to it. You're taking care of it. It's your responsibility. Why doesn't God come in and just zap everything and make everything right? You know what? He's going to do exactly that. But the problem is not uh, the problem is not the problem of sin necessarily. God's already taken care of that at Calvary. The problem is man wants a world of sin without any consequences. That's really what they mean when they say, well, why doesn't God just fix everything? But along with sin comes consequences, and it must be that way. Because, because eventually everything that is against God's will in this universe, in the known universe, eventually will be rolled away as a scroll. Death, destruction, misery, fear, torment, disease, famine, were all and war were all mankind's were and still are mankind's doings. Man's disobedience allowed evil to come in. What we are seeing right now is an earth that is not subject to God's perfect will yet. Now, it's not working in harmony with God's sovereign will yet. Hebrews 2 says this, You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. God put everything under the subjection of the second man. It doesn't say the second Adam, but it says the second man. There was only one Adam. That Adam fell. There was not a second Adam, there was a second man that was created in the same innocence that Adam was in the sense that this Adam or this man, the second man, was the Lord from heaven. And he did not come as the second Adam because that would have made him coming with the nature of Adam. So we're not yet seeing everything under subjection to God because, hello, 2020. That's all we need to say. Look around at what's happening in the world. Read the newspapers. Or better yet, put the newspapers down. (laughs) Turn off the news. Pick up God's word. There is all kinds of things that is happening right now that is not subject to God's will. It's not God's will that there be murders. I don't know how many murders there have been in Kansas City, but there's been. If there's one, there's too many. I don't know how many crimes or cars that have been stolen or bad things happen, but they're happening all around us. And it is not God's perfect will. But we see Jesus. We are seeing Jesus in his mediatorial role right now. And this is the age of grace where God is bringing everything subject to his will. He's giving everything and everyone a chance to come under the sovereign and perfect will of God. And eventually, what's not subject to his perfect will will at some point in the future be done away with. That's what people want to happen, right? Why doesn't God fix everything? Exactly what he's going to do. Look at 2 Peter 3. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burnt up. Seeing then all these things shall be dissolved, what matter of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the great day of God, Wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Everything will eventually be burnt with fire that is not subject to God's will. But right now, we're not seeing that yet, we're seeing Jesus. 
Again, in his mediatorial role and as a sacrifice for sin. Anybody can come in. The doors of the ark are wide open. And Noah is preaching the gospel. And you can come in. But at some point, God is going to close the door and the rains will start. And then what? There will be no altars to run to. There will be no preachers on the radio you can run to. There will be no Bibles to open up. The day of the Lord will come. Ephesians 1 says this, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. You see, everything right now is in the process of being reconciled to God through Christ. And when I say through Christ, I mean that sacrificial death on the cross. Christ made a way for everything in both heaven and on earth to once again be subject to his will. Colossians 1 and 20 says this, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things in himself, by him, I say, whether things in earth or things in heaven. Adam lost it, but God through Christ regained it. Adam could not go back and have a redo. There was no time machine. Not then and not now. For Adam to change the outcome, although he certainly would have liked to have done that. Adam needed a redo, or so he thought. Really what he needed was a rebirth. I need to go back all over again and undo the things I did. That's not going to happen through a time machine. There's no such thing. The only way for that to happen is for you to be born all over again. There is no other way. It's not about being good enough. Because if that were the case, if we could be good enough, as I've said for going on three weeks now, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? If we could clench our fist and we could give a lot of money to the poor and we could do a lot of good deeds, why did he die on the cross? And, and, and what's more is, who would be the, what would be the standard of that goodness? Who would judge it? You well, of course, because we always let ourselves off the hook. But we need a judge. And that judge has determined already that everybody has fallen short of the approval of God. And you need a savior. He needed a rebirth. To be born all over again in, in a spirit and a body that is not subject to sin and decay. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says this. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. So there's a natural birth that makes you a sinner and subject to the effects of the fall. That means decay with the natural man. But there is a spiritual rebirth that is renewed in prayer and in the word every single day. That spiritual man never gets old. He never gets tired as long as he can stay and get in the presence of God. Well, your natural man is going to get tired. Your natural man is going to get old. Your eyes are going to sag. Your, your eyesight is going to dim. Your hair is going to fall out. You may, you may end up, you know, at some point walking with a walker or a cane or in a wheelchair. Your, your outward man will perish and eventually die. But that spiritual man is what is reborn. As the natural man gets weaker with age and decays, the spiritual man is renewed. And the new birth puts you back into harmony with God's perfect will because it was never God's will for man to decay and get old. 
Now, as he said, we don't yet see everything subject to God's will. That means our natural man, outwardly, is not yet redeemed. This, it still falls under a curse. So our outward senses, sight, hearing, taste, seeing, feeling, touching, those five senses are, are what I refer to as the outward man. And it is those senses that, that directly goes against God's perfect will. And that outward man is not holy. It, it works against uh, what, what the Spirit wants to do. So, so what is God's perfect will? What was it in the beginning? It was this. It was holiness. Not goodness, although men often mistake the two. But it was holiness. Holiness is God-likeness. It's the, it's the being like God. Only the new birth gives you the holiness of God. Listen to this. Back in the 1930s, a particular scientist by the name of Dr. Kellogg brought in a chimpanzee with his three-month-old baby to see if the chimp would begin acting like the baby. And his mindset, his idea was, what would happen if I raise a chimpanzee like a baby? What would happen if I treated him, if I spoke to him like a chimp? Or if I, not as a chimp, but if I spoke to the chimp and the baby exactly the same. If we had the bedtime ritual, if we read him books and all these things. But after just nine months, they had to take the chimp away because the baby began acting like the chimp. And you can look that up online. That's not some preacher story. That's actually the truth. The baby began acting like the chimpanzee. Welcome to 2020, where people are acting like a bunch of wild animals. More so than ever before. But it's funny, whenever people think of the future, they, they often, you know, what will happen 100 years from now or 1,000 years from now, they often think of it as this great utopia, as if all of our problems are going to just disappear, as if they're just going to poof and go away. But the problem is this, no matter what age, no matter what the technology is, the problem is not technology. The problem is the nature of Adam that goes against God's perfect will. And we cannot be good enough because we cannot get away from our baser nature. The nature of Adam, that's the nature of Adam in a nutshell. And we must be in Christ to be in his perfect will. That is the only way. As, as Jacob hid himself in the garments of the elder brother when he went in before his father, we must be hidden in the garments of, of Jesus Christ who died on the cross. That is the only garment that is acceptable to God. Men have tried to put on their own good works. They've tried to do good things. They've tried to do good deeds. They've tried to build great things. They've tried to do great things. It's been going on since the dawn of time. But none of those things are good enough. You need a Savior. The nature of Adam is passed down through a natural birth. And you cannot get away from it. But the nature of Christ is passed down through the new birth. Adam gave me sin, but Jesus gave me righteousness. And that's why I need to be born again. Because no matter how good I get, I can put perfume on it, I can put all kinds of clothes on it, I can dress it up, I can live good, I can talk good, I can go to church, I can get all the rituals, I can get the applause of men, I can get baptized in the Catholic Church. But at the end of the day, you must be born again because you are still a sinner. And you still got that nature of Adam that needs to be covered, that needs a covering. And the only covering is Jesus Christ. 
Abraham was justified by faith, not by works. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in Christ. Aren't you glad for that? And whenever we come to God, no matter what you were in your past, when you're born again of the water and the spirit, when, you're, when you repent of your sins and you're baptized into the name of Jesus Christ and God fills you with his spirit, no matter what you have done in the past, you are acceptable to God in that moment. Just as whenever, I, whenever, whenever me and Tanya had, had our baby, Luke, and he was born on that freezing cold December night, whenever he was, you know, not even five days old, he couldn't sing. He couldn't do anything. But you know what? We still loved him because he was made in our image. And God loves you. No, God loves you even if you choose not to, to do that. He loves you anyway. When we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. He loves you right now. I want you to know right now, God loves you. And he loves you enough to go to the cross and to die for your sins. He loves you enough not to leave you in your sins, but to give you a way out, to give you hope through Christ Jesus the Lord. That's the kind of God that we serve. Let's stand to our feet today and let's thank God for that. Aren't you glad for the new birth experience? Aren't you glad that he didn't leave us in our sins, but that he made a way out? Thank you, Jesus.